0: Proud to say I did, but I didn't. But I know all the things that I did to him, how I hurt him, I know it did cause his death. Hey there, welcome to episode 19 of Tell Me a True Crime Story. I'm your host, Holly. This episode is Murdered by Mom, Stoney Blair, and Stephen Barry. Thank you so much for being here. I hope that you and your family are happy, healthy, and together forever. Do you have a case suggestion for me? If so, please send me an email and let me know what case you'd like to hear me cover. My email is hollies.tellmepodcast at gmail.com. That's Holly with a Y H O L L Y S tell me podcast at gmail.com. I truly love you guys and big hugs to all of you. I have three small favors to ask of you. Number one, please tell your friends and family about this podcast. Number two, please follow or subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listen on. And number three, um, whatever platform you're listening on, please write a review for the podcast and or give it five stars. I know you can write a review and give stars on Apple and on Spotify. You can give me five stars. Thank you so much for that. That would really, really help me out. I want to give a huge shout out to user Kiwi and Kimber 12345678910 on Apple they left me an awesome review and five stars on Apple podcast. That truly made my whole week. That was the first one I've received in a long time. And I'm so happy that they took the time out of their day to do that. My podcast is fairly new, less than a year old. I started last September, I think. Um, so yeah, it's not that old, but, um, on Apple, I only have seven ratings total, so, but by you guys leaving reviews or five-star ratings, it helps me out tremendously, so thank you all for being here, and big hugs to all of you. Now, let me tell you a true crime story. Before we get into this case, I want to let you know that this case is about child abuse and the deaths of of two children at the hands of their own mother. The details are gut-wrenching and heartbreaking. Many people just cannot handle listening to true crime stories about kids, and I totally get that. I can only handle them in small doses before it really starts to mess with me, but I do find it very important to cover these types of cases Because it's imperative that we are aware of the kinds of horrors that happen to innocent children behind closed doors. If you think a child is being hurt, do not stick your head in the sand. Report it and keep following up until you know it has been thoroughly investigated. Don't say or think it's not my business because it is. You need to make it your business some kids are dealt a really crappy hand in life and are born into the most horrible of circumstances. As good caring people, we need to make it our business to get involved and do our part to protect those kids. I think you guys know that I really love details and I love history too. I believe in setting the tone for a story and letting you guys know in what atmosphere and surroundings our stories take place in. But I do re- realize that for some of you guys, it might be too much. You just want me to get to the story. So if you're one of those that the introduction drives you crazy, and you just want to get to the story, just fast forward for like one minute and 30 seconds. Um, this story takes place in Detroit, Michigan, Let me tell you a few tidbits about Detroit that I found interesting, things that I didn't know. Detroit is in Wayne County and sits on the Detroit River. The Detroit River is a river and a strait. A strait is a narrow body of water that connects two other bodies of water. The Detroit River connects Lake St. Lake St. Clair, and the Upper Great Lakes to Lake Erie. The Detroit River is one of the busiest waterways in the world and in the early 1900s played a major role in making Detroit one of the largest cities in the United States. As far as crime rates go in Detroit, in 2018, the FBI named Detroit the second most dangerous city in America. Many neighborhoods in Detroit have lots of abandoned homes due to the mortgage crisis and high crime and homicide rates, and many of the homes have been recommended for demolition. They've suffered fire damage from acts of arson and vandalism, and others are in just a state of major disrepair. There are boarded up buildings, and many vacant empty lots are used for illegal dumping. According to an online article on com, Detroit had been in debt for decades and struggled with a budget deficit. Quote, Detroit was formally declared bankrupt in December 2013, a landmark ruling by U.S. Judge Stephen Rhodes, who cited the city's dismal finances and $18 billion debt. About 40% of the city's streetlights did not work, and about 78,000 abandoned buildings littered the city, end quote. So this is the climate in which our story takes place in 2015 that's where the story begins, I guess. Well, it really begins before that, but in 2015 is when it all came to a head. So, and I hear that my voice is really gravelly. I'm sorry about that. I had a cold like three weeks ago and it's just, my voice is still just weird. It always happens to me every time I get sick. It takes forever for my voice to come back to normal. So I'm sorry about that if it's bugging you. Um, Michelle Blair and her kids lived in an apartment, um, in the Martin Luther King apartments. Uh, she lived in apartment number 804 located at 595 Shaney street, Shane, Sheen street. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Shanae. I think it is. It's C H E N E. If you're from Detroit and I'm mispronouncing it, I'm sorry. um, that's located about a mile east from downtown Detroit. Her daughters, Gabrielle and Stoney, were fathered by a man named Alexander Dorsey, and her sons, Stephen and Matthew, were fathered by Stephen Berry. Michelle Blair had removed her kids from Detroit public schools in or around 2013, and she said she was homeschooling them. There was no requirement in Michigan to notify the local school district or or the State Department of Education if parents planned to homeschool their children. So basically, you know, what that's saying is that you can just pull your kids out of school, say you're going to homeschool them, but not really do it. And there's no oversight, and you don't really have to prove anything. So on Tuesday, March 24, 2015, a crew was working to evict 35-year-old Michelle Blair and her children from their apartment in the Martin Luther King Apartments. While there, at, a, at around 11 a.m., they discovered the frozen bodies of two children in a deep freezer. Michelle Blair was arrested hours later at a nearby apartment where she was babysitting someone else's children. The bodies of the two children discovered were Stony and Stephen. They were received by the Wayne County Medical Examiner's Office at 1249 p.m. on Tuesday, March 24th. It took days for their bodies to thaw, and an autopsy was performed on them on Friday, March 27th, 2015. On both kids' bodies, there were intentional burns, many of them from cigarettes and other long healed scars. The ME, Dr. Carl Schmidt, testified that, quote, Wherever you looked, there was either a scar, an ulceration, a burn, or a blow. End quote. Both of the kids suffered many blows to the head. Dr. Schmidt said that exactly how many couldn't be determined because there were so many that they all started to blend together. Both Stoney and Stephen had scarring on the inside of their mouths and chipped teeth from being slapped and punched in the face. They were also both severely malnourished. Thirteen-year-old Stoney's body was delivered to the medical examiner's office naked save for a black scarf tied around her neck, presumably to protect or hide the open wounds and burns that were present on her neck. Dr. Schmidt testified that Stoney's arm was fractured at some point in her life and she'd never received medical attention for the broken bone. He said that the child would have endured extreme pain while the fracture healed without a cast as the broken bone ground against itself. Stoney also had, quote, unquote, freshly carved out tissue on her right shoulder that may have been caused by a caustic substance being poured on the wound. And according to the CDC, a caustic substance is a chemical that burns or corrodes people's eyes, skin, and mucous membranes on contact. Stoney's ears had extensive loss of tissue. The ME testified that he wasn't sure what might have caused it, but it appeared almost as if they'd been chewed off. Stoney had only five millimeters of fat padding her stomach, therefore, her ribs showed through her skin. She'd been starved for so long that her body began consuming itself for energy. It was determined that Stoney's cause of death was due to multiple blunt force trauma injuries. Nine-year-old Stephen's body had distinct patterned rows of burn scarring above his stomach, on his back, and on his buttocks. The burns suffered on his genitals and anus were second and third degree burns. Stephen's cause of death was multiple blunt force and thermal injuries. In 2002, 13 years prior to the discovery of Michelle Blair's kids in her freezer, allegations of child abuse surfaced against Michelle Blair. Burns were seen on the the hands of both of her daughters and Child Protective Services got involved. The abuse was investigated and substantiated. However, what happened after the abuse was confirmed is unclear. A social worker named Katrina Hayden testified in this case that the Child Protective Services file on Michelle Blair was destroyed. Three years after that... In 2005, and 10 years before her kids were discovered dead in her freezer, Michelle Blair was investigated again for child abuse when a family member found numerous scars on her daughter's backs. Michelle Blair was referred for services through several resources. However, a a petition to remove the kids from her custody was never filed, and her children were not removed from her care. Michelle Blair has two surviving children, a girl and a boy. After the discovery of their siblings' bodies in their home freezer, they went to live with their great aunt. When interviewed by professionals about the abuse they endured at the hands of their own mother, then-17-year-old Gabrielle said they were abused throughout their childhood. Additionally, she and her surviving brother Matthew, who was 8 years old at the time, had many scars, welts. Bruises and injuries, both old and new, which were discovered during their medical examinations on the day their siblings were found dead. Gabrielle had a cut above her left eye, which she said happened when her mom hit her in the head with a two by four. She also had a broken front tooth, which was from her mom hitting her in the face with a curling iron. Her mom also punched her in the face with her fist. Gabrielle had scars from being burned with a curling iron and a clothing iron and from being whipped with cords. She said her mom would pour alcohol into her wounds. Matthew had 25 scars and injuries on his back from repeated beatings and quote unquote loop, loop shaped scars and injuries on his back, hip and buttocks that were consistent with being whipped by an extension cord. On top of the heinous physical injuries inflicted upon them, imagine the mental anguish Gabrielle and Matthew suffered every day, knowing their two siblings were in the deep freezer in their townhouse. And yes, they were aware. They both knew. They both probably constantly worried and wondered if they'd be the next to join their dead sister and brother in that freezer. Despite receiving Medicaid benefits for all four children up until the day she was arrested, Michelle Blair refused the kids any medical care because of all of the scars on their bodies from abuse. She also received $771 per month in food stamps up until the day she was arrested, even for the two children that she'd killed. She reportedly starved her kids, Stony and Stephen, before she murdered them. As I said earlier, both children were found to be malnourished at the time of their autopsies. Michelle Blair admitted in court to giving Stoney only a bowl of oatmeal a day and water for the week leading up to her murder. Three months after her kids were discovered in her freezer on Monday, June ninth, 2015, Michelle Blair pleaded guilty to murdering them. She testified to Judge Dana Margaret Hathaway about killing her kids. In order for the judge to be able to accept Michelle Blair's guilty plea, she gave a statement to determine the factual basis for the plea. According to reports and to her own testimony to Judge Hathaway, Michelle Blair said that she put a bag over her son Stephen's head. When he tore through the bags to breathe, she used stronger bags to put over his head until he lost consciousness. Then she, quote unquote, slapped him awake. She choked him by putting a belt around his neck and lifted him off of the ground with it until he lost consciousness. She punched him. She threw scalding hot water onto his genital area she made him drink Windex. When she found him unresponsive with vomit beside him, she wrapped him in a bed linen and put him in the deep freezer. She said she didn't mean to kill Stephen, but if she had meant to kill him, she'd be proud to say that she did. Stephen Gage Gageberry succumbed to his many injuries on August thirtieth, two 2012. He was only nine years old. By her own admission, Michelle Blair punched her daughter Stony repeatedly, hit her over the head, over and over, and put a bag over her head. Michelle Blair told Judge Hathaway that their hot water would get extremely hot, and that she burned Stony with scalding hot water from the faucet until she passed out. She said on the day, that she killed her daughter, she definitely meant to kill her, and if she had the chance, she would do it again. Her daughter was standing in the bathtub, and she was throwing scalding hot water on her and hitting her in the head with a stick. Stoney Ann Blair was murdered on May 25, 2013, at the age of 13. Michelle Blair then made her older daughter, Gabrielle, put her own sister's body into the deep freezer in their home. Stoney's body was placed on top of Stephen's body who had been placed there less than a year earlier. Michelle Blair said in her statement that she doesn't claim Stoney or Stephen as her children. She said they are demons. She alleges that Stoney and Stephen sexually abused their younger sibling, Matthew. However, the prosecutor told the judge that there was no evidence that the younger child was sexually abused. Michelle Blair said that she never witnessed any of the alleged sexual abuse that she claims took place. She'd also never reported anything to the police. Reverend Charles H. Ellis III gave the eulogy at Stoney and Stephen's funeral and he had a salient question for everyone. Where was the village before their tragic deaths? He went on to say, quote, while everyone is pointing their fingers in some direction, I believe the only way that we can try to ensure that these kinds of horrific, Circumstances never happen again, as that we point the finger at ourselves. That neighborhood, that community has to point the finger at themselves and say, "What did we suspect but we didn't get involved? What kind of intuition or feeling did we have but we didn't act upon it because we said it doesn't concern me?" end quote. Stony and Stephen were buried side by side, Stony in a pink casket and Stephen in a blue one. The Michigan Department of Health and Human Services sought to terminate the parental rights of Michelle Blair to her two surviving children and the parental rights of both of their fathers. The fathers were rarely present in their lives, and together they owed a combined total of $50,000 in child support. One of the children's fathers was unemployed and had been so for years. He lived with his mother, who supported him financially. The other father had also been for, unemployed for years, and and was living with seven other people in a three-bedroom house. He said it was not a fit environment for his child and that he was unable to financially support him. In July of 2015, Wayne County Circuit Court Judge Edward Joseph terminated Michelle Blair's parental rights to her then 18-year-old daughter and 8-year-old son. The Honorable Judge Edward Joseph also terminated the rights of Stephen Barry, the 8-year-old boy's father, saying that it was in the best interest of the child. The judge, however, did not terminate the rights of Michelle Blair's 18-year-old daughter's father because he said it would limit the amount of time that she'd be eligible for social services. If he did terminate her father's rights, then she'd only be eligible for services until she turned 19 years old. By keeping her biological father's rights intact... She would remain a temporary ward of the court and would be eligible for services with respect to college, teaching her to live independently, and receiving therapy for an additional year until she turned 20. In July of 2015, Wayne County Circuit Court Judge Dana Hathaway sentenced Michelle Blair to life in prison without the possibility of parole. The death penalty in the state of Michigan has been constitutionally banned since the 1960s. Uh, How dare she say that? How dare she say it's no evidence? It's my turn to talk. It's my turn to talk. After all is said and done, you imposed the death penalty on your own children. I did. And you readily admit it, and you want to take responsibility of it. You're therefore sentenced to the Michigan Department of Corrections for the rest of your life without the possibility of parole. Meaning, of course, that you will never get out. Michelle Angela Blair, dubbed, quote unquote, freezer mom in the media, is now 43 years old. She's known to the Michigan Department of Corrections as inmate number 963241. She resides in the only women's prison in the state of Michigan at Women's Huron Valley Correctional Facility, located in Ypsilanti in Washtenaw County. She is serving a sentence of life without the possibility of parole. Michelle Blair has racked up many misconducts while in prison, and due to violent assaults, she spent time in segregation. On April 25, 2019, Michelle Blair was sentenced to an additional 38 months to five years. She had this time tacked on to her original sentence for assaulting prison employees in two separate incidents that occurred in 2018. In one attack, she used a Pringles can to fling her urine and feces in the face and chest of a correctional officer. In the other incident, Michelle Blair hit an officer in the arm and the stomach. And that is the dreadful story of Stoney, Blair, and Stephen Barry. They were failed by CPS and they were failed by the school system. School is a safe haven for many kids. It's a break from their horrible home life. Therefore, teachers and school staff must stay vigilant and use their common sense and their instincts to protect children. And when Michelle Blair's kids were pulled out of school to be quote-unquote homeschooled, that should have been looked into. That should have been verified through solid proof that not being confirmed allowed the sadistic Michelle Blair to take out all of her anger and hatred on her innocent children without anyone being able to bear witness to the signs and physical marks of their abuse. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of tell me a true crime story. Please follow the podcast and tell your friends, coworkers, and family about it. Share a link to the podcast with someone who loves true crime. Follow the podcast on social media Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok are at Tell Me a True Crime Story. And remember, it would really help me out a ton if you would write a short but sweet, Review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts or give it a five-star rating on Spotify or anywhere else that you can review or rate podcasts. Thank you for being here. I truly, truly appreciate each and every one of you. And join me in episode 20 when I'll tell you another true crime story. Big hugs to all of you. (laughs) Bye-bye.